Yes, it is uh, almost ten past one on a Thursday afternoon. <laughs> Hello, Mabali. Hello, Aspasia. This is another edition of Between Two Femmes. How are you doing, gorgeous? I am well. I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a bit frantic. You I've are, got the mad look in the eye. Um, but there's a very good reason for that. You're having a very busy day today, which Indeed. is normally the case with you. And it's culminating with uh, dinner for 45 people, which I am cooking. <laughs> Okay, explain exactly what that means. <laughs> Remember when we were interviewing uh, Henry from Spear for the pop-up? The, yes, the pop-up uh, bars with the, the different pop-up wines. pop-up bar, and this is the, the evening that they're closing. Apparently, it's Thanksgiving today, I've been told, on good authority. Oh, in America. Um, yes, and... Um, yeah, so we're giving thanks tonight. <laughs> so you're going to be cooking for how many people? Forty-five. Where are you hosting? I actually, I was. I went like I was like this is actually nice. But where? At Duta Street. Duta Street. Okay, so you're going to be the hostess with the yeah, most. Yeah, you know, you, you do one come down with me episode, and people suddenly <laughs> think you can cook. Hey, at least maybe they think you can't cook. I think they're all going to be judging me. At least you have that experience, that come down with me experience. Oh Lord, you, yeah. I think they'll be judging me. They'll be going. Your starters were a little unsatisfactory. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Duncan. He just brought me my. He laptop. just brought in your laptop. You see. Oh. Um, well, speaking of judging, you also attended the um, SA Style Awards I on did, Sunday, where I was a judge. You were a judge. <laughs> I was judging them, yeah. judging you. Yes. Somebody at the fashion office in Cape Town has a um, a picture of um, Anna Winter. Looking oh. down from beneath her fringe, um, <laughs> in, in one of those like traditionally glacial poses. Yes. And it says, judging you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I was judging. And in fact, that beautiful baritone voice that you can hear yes. in the, um, other microphone is, uh, one of the award winners, the S- designer of the year. Alberta St- Swanepoel, Essay Style Awards, Designer of the Year. Did I get that right? Thank you. Yes, I think that's what it was called. And yeah. in fact, he's just doing a flying visit from New York. Oh, really? Yes, he happened to be here because Alberta lives in New York. So that's where your he home is base. the recipient of many awards, I might add. The most like impressive award being um, the CDFA. Yeah, the CFDA and the CFDA. And, I always get those acronyms Vogue wrong. Fashion Fund Award. Yeah, the yeah. Vogue Fashion Fund Award for because our Albertus here is top milliner. Well, thank you for joining us, Albertus. Those are quite some impressive accolades. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So, um, the the New York. When did that move happen? And um, twenty five years ago. Twenty five so years. Yes, that's a long time. But I still speak fluent Afrikaans. So and <laughs> joyfully, he speaks yes. with a South African accent. Yes. Some people who have not lived there for twenty five years. Yeah, they go like there for a, a two week visit and they come and back and they don't know how to say banana. It's banana. Yes, I know. Yeah, my accent just does not doesn't want to go away. So, and it's, it's weird because I don't speak any Afrikaans in New York or anything, but it's just. So in what's, my jeans, I think it's. When exactly? Why did you go to New York? Mm. It was literally a fluke. I went on vacation and I got, I bumped into fellow South Africans overhearing me speaking Afrikaans and they had a fashion company there. Yes. Um, they used to have a fashion a company called Jazzman in Cape Town mm. in the 80s, which was pretty well known, Maurice Romani. And so he moved to New York and opened a fashion company there and his accountant 
um, you know, was in a store and I happened to be in the same store at the same time. <laughs> right. And they offered me a job. It was bizarre. So. But I mean, when that offer came in, was had fashion always been something that you were interested I, in anyway? Yes, I was a fashion designer in South Africa at that time under another label. Um, and I didn't, I had no dreams of going to New York to work there. I wanted to go to Paris and, you know, work in the couture and all those stupid dreams once I happened when I was young. <laughs> um, but New York was so incredible and insane to me. So when the guy said, look, you can start on Monday and he made a few phone calls to people here like Karen Ruiz and whatever editors at that time to find out who the hell am I. Um, and he said, okay, well, you can start on Monday and, that's how it happened. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yes. It's kind of nice. I think it doesn't happen like that anymore. No, very rarely. Yes. But so. also it's like one of those amazing like things happen for reason stories because you know Yeah, it wasn't a fairy tale. <laughs> no. <laughs> All the way, trust me. But I'm very I really really love that city, so, you know. So where do you live in New York? We're in Manhattan. Um, we live in a, it's called Mima, which is very unglamorous. It's called Mid Manhattan. Um, it's a very <laughs> unglamorous neighborhood. Oh dear. Um, you see, I was actually just going to ask you because I often hear people talking about the Upper East Side. Yeah. Or this or that. Well, you know, no Lita and Soho and Tribeca. <laughs> Everything gets abbreviated. So this is now called Mima. Um, but it, trust me, it's not chic at all. Oh dear. Well, <laughs> um, but I mean, property in New York is just so yeah. expensive though. So it's no, crazy. we rent, and we could have, you know, yeah, bought a house. I guess in South Africa for the same price. Now, being there for the past twenty-five years, are you completely happy and comfortable there, or are there still plans for you to come back home or go to Paris like you'd planned to initially? I think I'm a little old to go to Paris now, but I and I truly miss South <laughs> nonsense, Africa. But nonsense. I, <laughs> um, but I come back every year once or twice, and I really do miss this country. But I don't think I can live here anymore. So, why? Um, I think in I my profession, the buzz, the buzz is the, of New York. For why? Yes, it's the energy, it's the diversity, it's the first worldness of New York. Um, but also, I think what I do would be impossible for me to make it a decent living here. Really, I'm in a very niche market, even in America. So, I think it will be very hard for me to make an existence here. And there's no materials available. There's no sort of skilled labor or anything. So it will just be very hard for so me. So now tell us, <laughs> how did you, how did the millinery come about? The millinery also came about by complete chance because I actually was married at that time. And after I then lost my job at this fashion company with no work papers, my wife and I started a glove company and we sort of first decorating sort of gloves and then started making gloves whatever by hand. And because it was only a winter business, we, we had like no income nor anything to do for six months a year. And I then very reluctantly, I must be honest, said, <laughs> okay, I'll make hats because <laughs> that, that goes with gloves. While I, I still try to be a fashion designer all the time and try to get a job, but you know, if you don't have work papers and stuff, it's, it's really tricky. Um, Yes, and so I went to FIT, which is the Fashion Institute for Technology, for two years at night doing classes um, while we had the glove still thing going. And I started apprenticing with a milliner in New York. And then after FIT, I apprenticed for somebody for like six years. So huh. I should have become a doctor in three respect. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it would have been faster. I know, faster and more financially <laughs> sort of viable. Um, so, yes, I literally Malcolm trained Clark, for like six sent years. sent me the funniest thing yesterday. 
Um, it was a cartoon saying if doctors were treated like designers, and so that is great. It was so funny. So the 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 woman is like lying in in surgery, going, "Listen, I cut a dress myself. I sewed it five years ago. I know what I'm just go a bit more left." Yeah. <laughs> But um, Albertus, what about the level of competition, though, in a city like New York? Because you often hear people going to countries like the U.S. or the U.K., trying to go and make it, and they often don't succeed. You know, they're forced to come back home because, well, the level of competition is just so exceptionally high in, in those kinds of countries. It is incredibly, incredibly competitive yeah. and incredibly tense. Yes, yeah. I am lucky that I persevered. I think one, that's one of the sort of qualities you need to have. And yeah. I think it's my Calvinist Afrikaans sort of thing that I just stuck to it, you know, and, and worked incredibly hard. But there's no, you're, you know, you're always, I was, I say I'm as good as my last hat. You know, there's so many people, like when I, when Vogue or anybody asked me for a hat, um, or Marie Claire or, you know, Glamour, they get hats from everybody. They get hats from Philip Treacy, from Stephen Jones, from me, from – there's only about three of us in New York doing hats on the level that I'm doing it, like made by hand. Mm-hmm. But so they get it from all the people all over the world. So it's it's insane. You you just have to be on the top of your toes and but all the time. But I sort of like that. It's funny. Um, I really like to but you've be also- in that pressure cooker. You've, I mean, you've done some amazing collaborations. And like, let's like pause there and talk a bit about those because it's like damn impressive. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So after I won the Vogue CFDA, um, fashion fund award, I was a runner up and it was the year that Alexander Wang won the first prize and I was second. Um, Anna went to her. She is one of the judges of this competition. She's judging you. Yes. <laughs> and she's been really an extraordinary sort of supporter of my work. And so she, um, told Target, which is the biggest retail in America to do collaboration with me. Oh, wow. Um, and so that was pretty extraordinary. They have 1700 stores Whoa. in America. And, um, that's almost and, like hitting the jackpot, isn't yes. it? <laughs> so that, that was massive. There were billboards in Times Square. There were. Wow. It was super wow. cute. It was ridiculous. Yeah. With like Coco Rocha and all these top models. And it was unbelievable. I mean, we also did something with the Gap as part of our prize. Um, so I did a very big collaboration with them. And then I've then since worked with um, Stetson, which is a very famous sort of hand brand. It's Cowboys. Yes. And Dairy <laughs> Tree. The Stetson. Oh, yes. Yeah, totally. Cowboy, yeah. cowboy yeah. hat. Cowboy yes. hat. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you doing? Yeah. Reinventing the cowboy hat. I didn't, I didn't. I only made one cowboy hat actually in that line. The rest was some more sort of trying to push the, make it a little bit more modern. Mm. Um, and I just recently, I came back literally two weeks ago from Manila in the Philippines where I did a collaboration with a, um, with a store they called Bench, which has like 300 stores in the Philippines. So I did a collaboration with them. And I've worked with J. Crew and Club Bonaco and several other people. So, I mean, it sounds like you're rubbing shoulders with some pretty, you know, a yeah, because A-list. They'll, they'll call him up and say it'll be like Mark Jacobs, if I'm not mistaken, and Mark will say, hey, all better. Wow. I'm like uh, showing X, Y, and Z. Will you wrestle me up a few? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I work with. I also do a lot of runway shows in New York. So when, you know, Dan Fafusenberg or Tommy Hilfiger or Prince Schooler or... 
I've worked with basically all of them. Uh, want hats for their runways. They often call me, and I work either with them directly or I work with their, their creative directors and then do hats for their shows. So my life is funny. I sort of, you know, we live in a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> I sort of take the subway. Yeah. But then I go to this... Really ridiculous party sometimes, like in Anna Winter's house. Oh my or God. What is like, Anna Winter's house like? Yeah. Is it like in the documentary? Yes. It's Yellow. Very, it's very British, funny enough. Yes. It's, it's very, yeah. she collects Clarice Cliff. It's very English countryside, her house. But so sort of in the most beautiful, like Colfax and Fowler upholstery oh, and pale yellow walls. Yeah, and, it looked incredibly conservative yeah. to me on the, on the documentary. It's cozy. And oh, the September I, issue. I didn't see the, the documentary. Now, for some reason, I pictured it would be this massive mansion with like 48 rooms or something Not at ridiculous. All. She has a brownstone in the village with a garden and everything, but it's just like a four-story ha- ha- little house. You know, yeah, very small. When they're only four yeah. stories, Mabs. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very it's discreet. <laughs> but you know, I find I find a lot of people who don't actually or who don't actually know Anna Wintour, or at, at the very least haven't met her. You know, they they have some interesting things to say about her. But you've met this person. You've been in the same room with her. You've you know you've had conversations with her. Are all Is those that place, are all those descriptions that people will give her warranted? I have. The utmost, utmost respect for, for Miss Winter, as I call her. I think she is, yes, very direct. She can make and break you. But if she decides to support you, she is completely incredible. And I mean, I'm a really small company and she's given me the most extraordinary sort of editorial coverage all these years still and getting me these deals and yeah no she is there's a lot of urban myths about her and (laughs) some are very funny and some are pretty terrifying and some are true and um but you know she runs the biggest you know media empire in the world so what you as Andrea Leontali said, at, mm. you know, whom I've also met a few times, she said, we don't, we're not there to drink tea. <laughs> you know, it's a business. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, so they don't, what's <laughs> extraordinary about her is that she doesn't dilly dally. She's like, yeah. yes mm-hmm. or no, or there's no like, uh, maybe, or she's, she's so cutthroat with her decisions. And I think that's an amazing quality to it have. It is, also. in fact. I think it's yeah. uh, one of the best. Yes, I can go on for days about the same thing, you know, sort of thinking about it or whatever. Uh, Somebody was telling me a story this morning about a lady who was in her shop, this girl's shop, who was there for like two hours, unable to make a decision about a dress or and and there's she she also has a coffee shop right next door to it. So somebody who was sitting in the coffee shop eventually got up and said to her. Can you please <laughs> just make a decision? We that. cannot actually take this anymore. <laughs> just decide. <laughs> Two hours, I no decision. Yeah. And she, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just like, no, I'm, I quite like to think of myself as the decisive. Somebody. Yes, I think you have to be in your position mm. as well, as Pasia, So <laughs> you have Absolutely. to have to make the call. Yes, no. Yes. <laughs> okay, so we're chatting to Alberto Swanepoel, fashion designer. Um, you know, hugely impressive accolades in terms of awards that you've won. Um, over the next hour or so, we're going to be spending some time with Albertus. I want to get into the actual Style Awards event because you two are both there, and I need you to fill the rest of us in on that. Um, so um, stay with us here on Between Two Femmes on Cliff Central. Um, we'll be right back.
show served with extra juice on cliffcentral.com I don't know why that happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're not the heat show. No, we're not the heat show. With extra juice. We are between two femmes. And we are joined <laughs> by Alberto Swanapool this afternoon, who was recently named most stylish designer at uh, the Style Awards, which took place on Sunday, which you both went to. Yes. Um, I wasn't there. But... Um, Next tell, year, next year, Mabs. We'll go me, as the most stylish radio presenters. Yes. Tell me about the event, Albertus, from your side. What did you think of the Style Awards this year? I've been once before only. Um, I think it's a fantastic event. I think Joel Grogor does an incredible, incredible job. She knows how to throw a really glamorous party. Um, also with, the, I think, the very kind and generous support of Jaguar South Africa was the sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really fantastic. There was this incredible lunch, you know, on the mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon for about 40 people maybe. Yeah, for that the judges. For the judges and the winners. And the winners and the designers because there was an Yves Saint Laurent kind of yeah, project. beauty. Thing. Where they like had like all the palettes, um, and all the classic palette, the, the, the color palettes. And you know, I can never imagine how to actually use the color palettes because <laughs> I'm so useless. Like I can apply one line of mascara. Yeah. That is my color palette. <laughs> but when I look at the color palettes, I'm always so delighted with all the jewel colors. And I think, Oh, this is so beautiful. I wish That's I actually so knew how to do this yeah. stuff. On the eye, but I can't. So, but anyway, they had like this whole project where various designers were asked to design to reinvent or rethink. Interpret. Reinterpret, yeah. yeah. The classic Yves Saint Laurent, like sort of design. So, for example, the The, tuxedo. Yeah, yeah. the safari look, the... Mandrian dress, the, the sort of his biggest moments, the ballet russe. Which yeah, is what so. these palettes, the color palettes are based on. So that was like actually quite fun okay. to see what people did. Yeah. Which one was your favorite? My favorite was, um, Suzanne Haynes. Yeah, she did um, that I like this that beautiful was, like yeah. leather kind of like almost like a leather little a bodice. leather bodice. Yeah. Which was kind of slightly bondage, but not. Because yeah, it not was really. Not yeah. really. And then underneath it was this kind of like flowing. what a female superhero would wear. But a tight leather bodice me, with thigh yeah. high it was boots. Very, and yeah, it was no, but no, it wasn't. no boots. Yeah, <laughs> no, it so wasn't the dress boots. underneath was like very romantic. Dyfra, and so, yeah, okay. hand painted silk. And, yeah, and then she I thought, said she spent hours yeah. hand painting it. Okay. And then I like Malcolm, Cl- Malcolm Cluck sort of smoking. Mm-hmm. It was sort of a little black jumper with a uh, you know, huge sort of coat over it in. I think it was feathers or something. It was it was great. Now, who for you stood out at the event? Because there were there were uh, you know there were a number of people who who stood out in terms of either what they were wearing or. Can I say firstly that I was teasing people saying, okay, we have to come up with a name for a collective term. What is the collective noun for people who stand around in a clutch of like sort of. Ball gowns. So yes. there were there was a whole batch of women who were all in like pink sequins, bugle bees. They were falling all over the place. Wait a they minute. They were getting trapped in and like feathers the, and the white wedding dresses. Yeah, lots oh, of no. wedding dresses. Did they kind of look like um, contestants in a beauty pageant? They in the most bo- certainly did. In the so evening there was gown that. section. South Africa, yeah, 
Some, some and I'm girls, like, it's Sunday evening, it's Sunday night. Some girls look incredible, Aspasia look almost uh, the best you, of everybody. You in our are just staff, saying please. that because no, we can. You look friends. incredibly chic and amazing. Thank you. What were you wearing? I, I was wearing this, like, also it was kind of my, also my take on bondage chic. There was a bit of uh, leather, like, leather right. like belting kind of situation. No, but it was very, very... Quite chilled by comparison. In fact, I looked like a Mormon. Yes. That's what I want to like say. A, a Mennonite. But, yeah, I was yes. like somebody so conservative. I was like a Quaker. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah, I was like all that's missing comparatively speaking because there were some people, and this is like, I actually think we should have this conversation because now I've written my Ed's note, but for January, so we'll have to wait all the while. But I just don't understand what is going on in society in terms of women. On the one hand, we have all these poor women in like sort of Muslim conservative states getting ever more conservative, insisting that everyone's completely covered up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's an equal proportion to the women who are appearing on the red carpet with like sort of pasties and see through like you can't see anything. Like there's nothing that you can't see. Yeah. And there were several of those. And well, wearing their panties as outerwear. And I just, I'm, I, I'm mystified. No, I, I, I truly don't, know don't understand that, that we all live in really a small sort of village now globally. Like everything is accessible. Yeah. Everything, everybody can look at anything. I would say but that. But people are looking at Rohana. That's who they, they're looking at. Yeah, that South African girls do not obviously look at style.com or look at red carpets of events or, and see, they they have seventy five, seventy nine percent of the women. They looked terrible. Oh I'm sorry, yeah. they looked terrible. Now, is this? Is they this were literally like wedding dresses. There was a very famous personality wearing a lace, a white lace dress, and she just needed a bouquet. Yeah, I mean, it was. So ridiculous to me. And another woman with a white beaded dress. And then all the pink sequins and the feathers and the see-throughness. Like, such incredible bad taste that I'm sorry. It's just, it's so wild to me. I don't understand it that. And it's Sunday evening. It's not even (laughs) like, you know, it's, this is what like always like, I'm just like, it's Sunday. Yeah. We are not going to be like, Dancing all night. But let me let me ask well, you. Well, I tried that. I did. <laughs> yes. I was like, I'm going to dance my troubles away. Let Sunday me, or bust. Let me ask you both this question because you know, Aspasia, you you have to know fashion and you have to be stylish. It's part of your job description as editor of Marie Claire. Albertus, you're a fashion designer. There's no doubt that you have to know what you're talking about. But I mean, when it comes to somebody's sense of personal style. And it's so difficult when you, you know, you, you look at shows like Fashion Police and shows like Project Runway, for example, and, you know, people think that they have a sense of personal style and then they get torn to pieces by these experts, you know, the the Diane von Vostenbergs of the oh. world. I mean, it sounds like it's very In intimidating case- to to have a sense of style because, you know, there's, you stand the risk of it being torn to pieces sometimes uh, where, where are these people getting their cues from I don't know I have no idea cause I think some of them are getting them definitely <laughs> from the Kardashians yes which is unfortunate well this is the thing with trends is yes. one yeah. person starts it and then it catches on and then everybody starts to do it um, yeah and you're, true, you're right it's like the Rihannas of the world the uh, Kardashians, unfortunately, who I think is completely tacky. Because Rihanna um, wore the, the, the see through dress sheets. with the, yeah. with the pasties too. And the that G-string. girl was not Rihanna, you know, and she doesn't, she doesn't have Rihanna's body nor 
I don't know. And that is, whoa. <laughs> now, that is a big deal. That is something that I always try to stress and make a point about. People need to dress for their bodies. I mean, it, it, you might very well want to expose, I don't know, half of your butt. But I'm sorry if half of your butt doesn't it's look size, that great. Then yeah, just 45. don't don't expose it. <laughs> it hey, should, am I wrong? Yeah. Or am I? Or should people just do whatever they want out there? I don't know. I don't know. But let's ask about uh, Albertus this. What is style? What is good style? It's it's definitely personal and it's definitely subjective. And there's several ways of thinking. But I feel you, Chanel said you always have to sort of take something off before you leave the house. And I'm personally well. One some people took that literally. Took everything off. Yes. <laughs> they exactly. said, "Okay, I'm going to take it off." Oh my God, I yes, that's the wrong that's quote. quote. <laughs> yeah. They were like, "Okay, well, there's nothing else um, to take off. I'm just going to take off my panties." Yes. <laughs> I just I just feel. Yeah, it's just, it's very personal, but it's like, what I truly, it's, I think what, to me, the biggest influence, there's a, obviously a very huge beauty pageant thing in South Africa. It's very important still. here. Still, it's like the biggest mm. sort of thing, and all these girls go in that direction. As you said, it's the evening section of Miss South Africa. Mm-hmm. And, and that does not happen in in America or in France or whenever there's a red carpet event. Mm-hmm. People just wear beautifully made, you know, simple sort of clothing with really great shoes and the hair is fantastic. And But, yes, here is just sort of – not that they all have to look the same. You have to be individual, which is part of personal style. You have to have confidence to carry something off. But I also think, as you said, some people have a misconception of what they look like if they look in the mirror. I really feel, and I'm sorry to say this, if you bigger, the, if you're a size 42, you should not be wearing a white draped dress, which I saw on Sunday night. Yeah, you know, it's like then wear a black draped dress. I mean, if you don't you look know, like Jennifer Lopez, don't wear the stuff yeah, that Jennifer yes. Lopez wears. You know, it's <laughs> but also for me, it's like almost like an existential question at this point because if you've taken off. That's, that's why I think style is crucial. But if you, if your only aim is to sort of induce the gaze of somebody, however yes. it is, like that you just want them to be looking at you, it's not for you. Mm-mm. I almost feel that it's like sort of a terrible sort of indictment yeah. on womanhood. It's like, so it's just as bad as being covered in a, you know, from top to toe in a boca because somebody said to you, men, will look at yeah. you and that's not good. Yeah. So we want to protect you and therefore we're covering you up. Yeah. Being I completely uncovered is equally, it's the same thing. You're like in the same boat. It's about the gaze. You're so yeah. obsessed with whether or not people are looking at you. Yeah. It's you're like so two right. sides of the same coin. Yeah. And so it's not, you're not dressing for you. You're dressing for the camera. You're dressing for, for other people. Exactly. For whether they're dressed they're, to be looked you're dressing at. for the bloggers. Yeah, yes. you're dressing for that heat magazine, Juicy Juicy Heat. It's yes. it's like you've actually then there's no style actually yeah. you've yeah. dressed because it's not their personal style it's they dressing to be looked at or then to be laughed at unfortunately you know <laughs> uh, but the, you're so right as see it's right it's not I don't think they they even felt comfortable in those dresses you know because it was just sort of almost to be provocative or to be looked at or. Yeah, it's just, it's really mind It's crazy because, I mean, I do think fashion 
has like on one hand, yes, you wanna you want somebody to do a second take and go, yes. Oh, you look nice. It's good fetching. Well yes. done to you. Well put together. Yeah. But it's it should be about you and not yeah. about your your about whether you got pictures or taken or not. I don't know. It was just so mysterious and I thought the self worth is so wrapped up in if you got photographed. And mm. how many mm. and did they appear? And I was just like oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. No. I feel like although I have come up with several very funny um collective nouns now. So what have we decided about this thinking, cluster of women? Well, the ones in gowns. pink were a flamingo of celebutants. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> An Oscar of um, dresses. Yes. That's good. Yeah. What I find fascinating is that the men always look better than the women. Ah, really, I really think they have more about the men, please. personal style yeah. and style. And they all look way cooler or more confident mm. within themselves. Um, yes, my, to me, by far, even on a street level, I always find, and it's not because I'm a guy or I'm gay, or whatever. I find that the guys look better, and they even, crea- even if they're creative, they look better put together than women here. Like oh. they know where to stop. Yeah, sort of. they know. Yeah. yeah. Now, there's really definitely a male sartorial. Yes, and there's so many. Yeah, I think they. It's just easier for guys, in a sense. Sure. It it is easier. I mean, you know, with women, you have five million different things to choose. You've got from. too many options You've with too, men. Too many options. You can just have a nice, well cut suit. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and well, then you can also have a well cut dress and great shoes. And yes, stuff like you that. can, you can, you can. <laughs> but the problem is that, like, there's almost a delight in a uniform. I always say this. I wish I had a uniform. Yes. You know, like. Anne Marie Mankies. Yes, Walgreen. Marie Ma- oh, so right. she's, yeah. <laughs> so she's the, the, at VC. Yes. And she has always worn this Chinese, exactly. um, little black Mao, Mao yeah. suit. Mm-hmm. That's what she wears. That's her thing. Now. Every day. She yeah. doesn't wear anything else. It's kind like of nothing else. It's, it's kind of like what David Lally has done with the old black look. He wears black. That's, that's what he wears. He's and, always And it's black. a great relief. So maybe that is what, that is what we need. I know. We all need to wear a uniform. Uh, choose your uniform. <laughs> choose your uniform and stick with Choose that. it wisely. Yeah. Make sure that your uniform includes perhaps a set of panties. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just say. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's not go there. Um, so Al- Albertus, um, it's just going back to when you were studying again. Um, did you study here at here at home? In, in yes, I grew up in Pretoria. Yeah. Um, did my schooling year and went then went to the army, of course, for a year, which was hugely dramatic. Mm. And then I went to Tux, to the University of Pretoria, and I studied fine arts there with um, a degree in basically graphic design. And then actually sort of while I was in my last year at university, I became, for the first time, honestly, sort of really aware of fashion and interested in it. Um, I grew up unbelievably conservatively. I'm, I'm one of four brothers. Um, I was not really basically allowed to to look at fashion or anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then I, I went to work in an advertising agency in the morning and then went to Leggett's um, Fashion Design School in the afternoons for a year studying fashion there. And then I um, 
worked for Marion Fassler for a year, and then very foolishly opened my own store in Norwood. Why very with foolishly? With a lady called Jenny Gifford, because <laughs> yeah. I had basically no idea what that I was doing. Yeah. So and that so that closed down after six months with my I guess my inheritance, um, oh and then I started making clothes for private clients. Yeah. I mean, coming from a conservative background, as you've just said, did you find that there was resistance from your family, you know, with you being into designing <laughs> oh and God. fashion? You have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like unbelievable. I honestly saw, it's the funny story, while I was in the military, um, a guy, I, one of the guys in my bungalow was obviously sort of gay and I only I only came out when I was forty. That's that's how conservative my upbringing was. It was it was really hard for me, um, and I went with him on camp one weekend, and he lived in Hillbrow with an <laughs> air steward from SAA, and they that weekend took me to a gay club called Anaconda. No oh, of course, intended. it was called Anaconda, yes. and they gave me a T-shirt to wear that said Queen in sequence, and they said it. I had no idea that it was a pop group, nor what it meant in other terms. Yeah, and and also honestly, that guy that weekend gave me my first ever Vogue magazine. Magazine that he got from the first class aeroplane, and so funny enough, the cover was shot by a guy called Barry Lartigan, who at that point mm-hmm. it was in seventy six, seventy seven, worked in London. And I looked at this magazine, I was like, "Oh my God, this is the most glamorous, most incredible magazine I've seen in my life." And yeah, now the fast forward. 30 years or whatever, you know, I'm in Vogue as well, but that's, that's how it started. But I couldn't, I remember my father literally, br- I wasn't allowed to listen to people like Grace Jones or nothing. There was no, I couldn't have a Barbie doll, doll when I was little. Yeah. I had a pencil with pieces of cloth over it with a head that I played with like secretly in my room. And it just wasn't, in my family, it wasn't an option that I could be a fashion designer. You know, it, it it wasn't an option. So, but now you. But I did it in anyway. Yeah. You know what delights me also <laughs> is that um, about, I mean I feel like we've been talking about all your awards. I think I better get an award. Don't you think we need an award? Shortly, you and I, because here yes. is Albertus. He got another award. I know, but I mean, God damn it, a- and he got one from his university, which was really lovely. Oh, that's great. Tell me about that. Uh, and so, I th- the funny story. Yes. Tell the so funny story. So I came out actually because the University of Pretoria gave me an alumni laureate award this year, which is apparently a really big deal. Um, so they, <laughs> they only give it to people who have completely sort of excelled and succeeded in the world. I mean, I was between all these incredible academia that the one woman did um, climate control research with ticks. Oh, and, God. And she's a professor. Wow, it was that kind of, and there, we were the coolest table. It was <laughs> of course me you were. and Panina Fenster, who's my dearest friend, and Marie Hahn, and um, Lucilla Boyson, and we were the sort of funny table between all the intelligentsia. But anyway, when I started... And probably the best dressed yes, table, the most stylish oh, table. The best table. Did you wear your panties? Yes. Yeah. Good. Because, I, like, I'm yeah. very concerned now. I'm going to ask everybody, are you wearing your panties? Um, what was really funny, though, is that when I graduated in my final year, I remember they called us all in, and it was still in the Marensky Library that looked like the Furtaker Monument, where the art, our department was at Takis. And the dean, um, Nikurus, said in front of the entire school 
that his biggest sort of quandary or I think what he struggled with the most was to actually pass me, that, that I was such a bad art student that oh, he wasn't sure no. <laughs> to pass me. <laughs> so it shows us all, you know, success is the best revenge because, you know, they were 40 years was later. Was he there? Was he dead? He's dead, sadly. Oh, Not oh. so sadly. So you can I wanted even, to call him out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can even stick it in his face. Exactly. Success is the best revenge. Yes. So with your success, did then your family turn around and say, hey, you know, sorry we gave you such a hard time all those years ago. Look at you now. Um, not really. <laughs> yeah. We should just leave let's, it there. Let's leave that subject. <laughs> you know what I want to ask you? For, for young people going off to New York, mm. what are your like five secret addresses? Like where should they be going? Oh, like physically. They are physically. I mean, like, I don't know, not okay. mentally. I'm not asking you for the, okay. for advice. Okay. I'm asking for it's physically like, a map know, on the map. Boom. It's like the famous joke of a guy <laughs> got into a cab one day yeah. and said, how do I get to Carnegie Hall? And the cab driver said, practice, practice, practice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah, uh, that's not the question okay. I was famous, asking. Of course. Um, Barney's New York is the mothership to me. If you're into fashion, I think that it's is the where I first store. met you. Yes. Because exactly, we you have there. a pop-up. Yes, um, uh, you have a stand, yeah, uh, like I, I a whole section. Yeah, so Barney's to a me. A whole section dedicated to Albertus yeah. and that, Barney's. That's great. It I, is I mean, great. That's something that I would yeah. like to see firsthand. <laughs> I think you should go either to MoMA or the Metropolitan Museum of Art for just pure inspiration. That's also so extraordinary because I studied art here and I always just saw these pictures in the history of art, you know, in these books. And there you are, and you see the real Picassos and Monets and, you know, Willem de Kuenangs and Jackson Pollocks. And that's, that's extraordinary. I th- think you should go to Brooklyn, obviously, to Williamsburg, which is hips of heaven. Oh. And you have to wear a check shirt, <laughs> have a beard, preferably. You have to grow it really quickly. Yes. And, um, <laughs> I don't know. We're going to have trouble growing yes. our beards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mine grows at a slower rate than most women's. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? <laughs> i just show off. Yes. Um, yeah, and then go to... We're in Williamsburg, though. What is your favorite uh, spot for, like, a... I don't do Williamsburg because I feel I'm too old, really, because everybody's about 23, so I feel ancient when I go to Williamsburg. Um, but they have fantastic little coffee shops, and every restaurant is great, and it's just, it's so unbelievably trendy, that it's it's just really sickening. Sickening, yes. Ah, yeah, it, those Brooklyn oh, hipsters. That can break down your confidence in three seconds because oh everybody is cooler than cool. You know, it's it's just unbelievable. And tattoos, you have to have tattoos when you go to Brooklyn. It's sort of, you know, it's really important. Um, and then I would I would go for breakfast at Baltazar, for instance. Yeah. Um, it's incredible and cosmopolitan and sort of Frenchy. Um, that's really amazing. Um, or just honestly sit somewhere on a street You know street what corner. I love about Balthazar, sorry, uh, as an aside, but this is the only one of the few restaurants I've been to which accommodates your shopping packets behind your table. Yes. So you sit and there's like this like sort of special like sort of um, railing behind the and you can just put your packets up. Yes. Obviously, you probably put your packets up so that people can see where you've been shopping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so make it good. Um, but it's yeah. like a really excellent innovation. I was like, now that's a sort of innovation after my own heart in a shopping <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> kind of 
mindset. And then I also think, um, I mean, smoking is really so banned in New York. And there was this thing also like for, for foreigners, if they want to look to, like New Yorkers. So they say you should stand outside a building and smoke. Mm. So that look like you are on lunchtime and you're just standing <laughs> there sort of smoking. But so then you, you see like, like everybody. At like, hang out with you know, the yeah, locals. And also you should jaywalk when you cross the street. Like nobody in New York follows the traffic lights. And thank God their pedestrians have the first right Unlike South Africa, so traffic has to stop for you, and everybody jaywalks. So they walk diagonally across the street to, for a shortcut. But so, I, and that's and what's your favorite you place for there. dinner? Yes. My You're just going to be was, stalking you, you know that. Um, <laughs> We're just going to pop up at your favorite, at your favorite spots. Hi, Albert. Just remember yeah. us. <laughs> There's a fantastic little place in the West Village called Bouvet, which is really, really amazing. Um, I also, st- oh, my, f- my two other f- complete favorite places are Indusheen, which is on Lafayette Street, and it's been there for about 25 years. It's still, they're very famous for those huge palm tree sort of wallpaper, mm. and Grace Coddington, you see any of those people there any time of, of, of the week, it's still the most incredible restaurant. It's super cool. It's, the waitresses are all, they all look like Iman. They're seven foot tall. Their legs go up. Oh. To your head when I stand next to you, <laughs> and then my other really uh, the most amazing restaurant is Rahul's in Soho, which is a steakhouse, and it's also been there for about twenty eight years, and it's just they have the best dirty martini in the entire world, and also the best steak au poivre, and it's fantastic. It's got ten ceilings, all the walls are covered with paintings. There's a huge fish tank in the restaurant. It's just incredible. It's just the most amazing place, you know. And then there's, of course, there's, you know, super trendy places or super expensive restaurants. Like the restaurant at MoMA the, at the Modern is, is pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's 22,000 restaurants in Manhattan, so... It's, it's difficult. So, that, I mean, <laughs> yes. talk about competition I right know. there. I know. That's, that's also, it's so incredible and fascinating because there's people opening restaurants, famous chefs, and then three months later they, they close down because they, the water. Yeah, but I do want to ask on a sort of advice level for somebody who's thinking about trying to make it in a city like New York, what would you say they need to be prepared for? Because maybe they're going in there with these fantasies and thinking, oh, it's going to be just like it is in the movies. <laughs> no. They have to be prepared for an unbelievable amount of rejection. <laughs> really. Like, I, I still get, you know, sort of rejected every week when I send stuff, like I said, to magazines or whatever. Mm. You know, like, yeah, you, you just get... Rejected huh. all the time. It's like being a model, you know, sort of. And then <laughs> it's hard sometimes, for your <laughs> yeah, it's hard for your, People always, you know, say, oh my God, you're so humble. But it's like, you just, it is so tough and it's, it's, the competition is so intense. And, and you can only with, sorry for my French bullshit, get so far, Mm. you know, and maybe get ahead of the game. Or it's also, it is who you know a little bit because there's so many people. So it's a shortcut maybe sometimes to get somewhere if you know somebody. Um, but yes, you have to be brilliant at what you do, like brilliant and passionate and work incredibly hard and be prepared to struggle. It's like, yeah, not again, not always, you know, there's all these trust fund kids in New York. There's people with incredible money. Sometimes it's very unfair. Yeah. Um, but I, I personally literally ate pizza slices for like three years. Like, mm. 
you know, it's, it just depends. Yeah, there's people who, I have a friend right now who's a student and from South Africa who lives in a two-bedroom apartment in Williamsburg. Like, he lives like a lawyer. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, you know, he goes for dirty martinis, you know, with me for at like $20 a martini. And mm. like, I only... I can afford, you know, I only had my, my yeah. dirty martini when I was like 40 years yeah. old. But, so it's like bizarre. You and, know, it's and, like so, yeah. and how long did it take you before you made, made yeah. it? Because, you know, sometimes people struggle. Well, do you feel like you've made it? Yeah. They'll, they'll be trying to do something for 15 years and then somebody will say, I think you should call it quits now. You haven't made it. It's been this long. You should try something else. It literally took me about 17 years okay. before I got recognized. Yeah. And it was it was because of that Vogue Fashion Fund competition. If it wasn't for that, I don't think anybody anybody would still would have known who the hell I am. You know, I would still be making hats, but I wouldn't have the recognition or the coverage or whatever. Mm. But yeah, for some people it goes quickly. That's that's completely sort of you know. And I I I I think I've made it in my field. I think I'm recognized in my field, but I don't think I've made it really. I. You know, Valentino mm. has made it, or Mark Jacobs has made it <laughs> mm-hmm. in my books, or Donna Karen has made it. Okay. I don't think I've made it. I think I'm, yeah. That's <laughs> why he's in modest. My, in my but now, yes. here's my last question because we're rapidly running out of time. Yeah. But what hat <laughs> do I need? <laughs> For what? For anything. Like, what is the one hat? I think you should, you should wear a fantastic little, not a fascinator, but like a little cocktail hat with a veil. I can see with that I running like, like Isabella Blow a little bit. You, you you've know? got this wonderful fringe. You've got the black hair. Um, or I can see, I see you with a smaller hat somehow, like almost like a 40s. Just a... Hat. Again, I hate fascinators. I'm not saying fascinators. Yes, yes. But a little creative sort of 40s draped little hat. Or then I think a cowboy hat is the coolest thing on this planet. I think... Al Stetson. Oh. Yes, Al Stetson. I think everybody looks so amazing in a cowboy hat. You know, whether you look dorky or trendy <laughs> or like a cowboy or... I just think they're the coolest things on the planet. And Mabali? What should she, what should she be wearing? <sighs> she should be wearing a fedora, I think. Oh. A men's fedora. Oh, yes. okay. Absolutely. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and get one of those. Oh, okay. I don't we'll, own. We'll They're gonna come and visit yes. you in yeah. Bonnie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alberto okay. Swanepoel, fashion designer. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. When do you head back to New York? You did uh, say in about three hours. You totally came and did us a big fat favor. <laughs> we are so happy that you joined us over this past hour. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Yeah. Thank you, especially. We'll be, uh, we'll be back next week on Between Two Fins. Bye.